are living La Vida Loca because it is Friday and we are happy Woo-hoo. for the weekend. Welcome to Jason and Alexis in the morning, the seven o'clock hour, right here on My Talk World 7 1, everything entertainment, everything Ricky Martin. It is uh, coming up on 706. Grab a Pepsi, grab a cup of coffee, grab some OJ, or better yet, a mimosa. Sit back, relax, and let us entertain you. Good morning, stars. Good morning. Uh, yeah. Good morning. Oh, we're uh, talking about soap operas uh, at the conclusion of the 6 o'clock hour, and Kenny was talking about Days of Our Lives specifically. And uh, someone on Twitter, let me get her name. Uh, hello, Roxanne. Rock, Roxanne. She said that Jen and Jack are still on. Days of our lives. So I didn't know that. Yeah, still on. Jack and Jen. So thank you for that, Roxanne. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Kenny doesn't watch everyone anymore. He just has it on in the background on mute, which is kind of still watching. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Making up your own stories. Mm -hmm. Dialogue. Yeah. I got a text message from Lex yesterday uh, at the conclusion of my nap. And it says, uh, it says the following, Jace, you were right. I'm glad I went back to that David Foster documentary. I'm uh, glad you got it. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a David Foster documentary rolling on Netflix right now. It was produced by a Canadian film company all about music producer extraordinaire uh, David Foster. Uh, worked with Celine Dion, Whitney Houston, Chicago, Peter Cetera, Michael Buble, Josh Groban. He did St. Elmo's Fire. He did Rocky Horror. Uh, you na- I could go on, but the whole segment would me just would be me listing things. He's a powerhouse. Uh, no denying yeah. his talent. What did you... You were turned off by yeah. the first 15, 20 minutes or so. You went back... Uh, completed it. What are your? Mm-hmm. What were your favorite? Because I have so many. What are oh, some of yeah. your favorite takeaways? Well, I was surprised because in the beginning it was you know he's so great, he's wonderful, he's this, he's that, and I was like, oh puke, oh gosh, is this what this whole thing is going to be about? Just how amazing David Foster is? Um, but no, it was actually a very candid documentary. I was kind of surprised just about some of his admissions that he was an a hole. Yeah, coming through it in the very beginning, especially uh, that he actually is a giving guy. Um, And also just to hear from his daughters, he has five daughters and kind of their experiences growing up, not having him around, uh, how he would run. One was seven months when he left his her mom, yeah. and he says that he regrets that because the other two sisters were four and five years old. Um, so to go into that, and then to hear from Catherine McPhee, his current wife, and and their struggles with their marriage, I found a lot of the personal stuff fascinating, and his regrets for doing reality shows, and then of course seeing how he can be a pain in the butt to work with, but whenever you show up. You want to do what's best. You want, he brings out the best in the vocals. Yeah. And that's ultimately, uh, you know, what he cares about, what they care about in the end. He'll have them do multiple takes, this impossible note to hit. Celine talks about that. Um, Celine Dion, the star power in this whole documentary, just wow, who are just like, yeah, I'll talk about him. I'll talk about all of our hits and just the relationships that he has with some of the stars it's that's actually really touching yeah i'm glad that you focused i'm glad that you loved the personal stuff because i like that too i liked his vulnerability with admitting that yeah he is a flawed human being and is yeah. constantly trying to work on himself and and he he is an arrogant uh, butthole. uh 
I equally found fascinating all of the nuggets of detail that you learned when each superstar that he worked with kind of had their moment in this documentary. I love the way this was produced and edited because you kind of went, it was in chronological order, but also you spent maybe seven, eight minutes uh, with each superstar moment that he was responsible for. And you learned fascinating fun facts about each one. Like I'll, I'll start with Chicago. Um, wow. This uh, is wow. I had, I, thank you. I had no idea. Chicago was kind of flailing at this point. Uh, really w- w- wasn't as hot as they once were. They had all of these songs ready to go uh, to do a new album. And David Foster, who was already being billed as kind of a wonder kid, he was a you know a cocky young producer at that point. They brought David Foster in, and David Foster had to look at Chicago, had to look at the guys and say, "These songs that you wrote are crap. Like this whole <laughs> this whole album that you've written is crap." This isn't mm. Chicago, and he was a huge this fan. This isn't Ch- yeah. He goes, "I'm I love you guys." He goes, "You know," but here he is in his mid twenties. This punk kind of kid as he said telling chicago that they this material was horrible mm-hmm. well in the midst of him producing he kind of went in there with a dictatorship uh kind of mode and he likes to he, be in control of everything everything and some of the guys liked that and some did not mm. the the guy that liked it and ended up you know they first they fought peter gabriel uh, the lead Cetera. singer, Peter Cetera. Yeah. Uh, Peter Cetera at first didn't really like what David was saying, but then bonded with them. The rest of the guys um, found not only David's ideas offensive, but they were noticing his uh, kind of partnership with Cetera and started getting resentful of that. And as Alexis pointed out, it's a great analogy. Foster ended up kind of being the Yoko Ono of of Chicago. The band was never the same. Well, he and, left the band and then had Glory of Love and mm-hmm. yep. the karate, from Karate Kid. and After All hit. with Cher. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, all because of Foster, all because of David Foster. Um, let's take a break. A couple more nuggets. Probably the one that my talkers you'll care about the most that I could have rewound this segment and played it over. David Foster's involvement in the bodyguard with Whitney Houston. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. Jason and Alexis in the morning. I'm my talk 71, everything entertainment, everything Beverly Hills cop. I'm Jace with Lex and Dawn and Kenny. I'm sorry, Kenneth. It is uh, 717. <laughs> we are talking about uh, David Foster off the record on Netflix, a fascinating documentary about musical maestro David Foster, producer extraordinaire, uh, responsible uh, for working with Barbara Streisand, uh, Josh Groban, uh, uh, Whitney Houston, uh, Celine. Celine yeah, I mean, goes on and on Michael and on. Yeah, I mean, we could be I like here that all day. He likes, he likes artists that really sing out. They're not affected voices. They just belt it. Yeah. 
One of the most interesting elements of this documentary was this one right here, talking about the evolution of the Bodyguard soundtrack, uh, which remains, I believe, still the top-selling uh, soundtrack of all time with Whitney Houston. Uh, Kevin Costner not only starred in the movie, but he was instrumental in uh, in the soundtrack. And one of the first things you in this inter- this portion of it was kind of a joint interview with uh, with David and Clive Davis, obviously of uh, of uh, Arista fame, uh, Whitney Houston's longtime collaborator. And the first thing that I found interesting was uh, Clive uh, was unhappy that originally the movie didn't have a lot of music. Um, didn't have a lot of music at all. And Clive wrote a letter to Kevin Costner and said, Kevin, and I'm paraphrasing, if you want the audience to believe, and they have to, the whole movie rests not only on the chemistry of Whitney and Kevin Costner, but the whole movie rests on the audience buying that the character that Whitney Houston is playing is a super megastar. And if you don't showcase her singing, in the movie with 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 phenomenal music, mm. they're never going to believe that she is this star and your whole movie will fold. So also, they, you have Whitney who can do it. Yeah. So Kevin responded. I mean, Kevin was touched by the, the fact that Clive wrote a letter and uh, Kevin uh, agreed and put more music in and uh, not just good music, but called in Foster well, the song that we all know is uh, I Will Always Love You. And the other thing that I was like, wow, what an evolution. The original song that they wanted to go with was What Becomes of the Brokenhearted. Yes. That, no, no, that would not have fit. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Luckily, someone else had that hit, and it became... Yeah, here it is. Yeah. Um, What Becomes of the Brokenhearted? And David Foster's like, okay, the chorus is good, but after the chorus, there's nothing to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, by the grace of all up there, uh, somebody else had re-recorded it, released it the same time, and David goes, whoops, we can't do it, but he was quietly happy. And then the thing that I thought, wow, this could have been very different. Uh, they discovered the the Dolly Parton song, I Will uh, I Will Always Love You. But they couldn't get a copy of Dolly's. They got a copy of Linda Ronstadt's and brought that to Whitney and Clive Davis. And Dolly, David had called Dolly and said, Dolly... I think Whitney is going to do this song. And she's like, that's fabulous. That's fabulous. I can't wait for her to do. um, There's a part in the song that she did that Linda didn't do. Yeah, it's Um, the third verse. It's the third verse. And David Foster's like, there is no third verse. And Dolly goes, yes, there is. Yeah, you you Linda didn't do it, but this is the most important part of the song. It's why I wrote it. It's the essence of the song. And so David agreed, was thrilled. Whitney could hear it, was thrilled. But then the last fight, and this is where I'm like, wow, who knew that this... You know, at the very beginning of the song, where there there is no instrument, there is no instruments. It's just, it's Whitney Houston. 
Adaka Pavanku. Um, right then, that David Foster wanted instruments under it. He and fought with Clive Davis. This part right here. If I should stay, I would only be in your way. And David said, there's no way radio is going to play that without instruments. And Clive said, no, no. Whitney says no. He liked it, and they fought. Like, they got into a giant fight. And Clive says, uh, Whitney will not do it. Uh, and if you do it, she will not do the movie and blah, blah, blah. So they cussed. They yelled at each other. And David had to admit uh, that Clive was right because that the beginning of that song is as iconic as anything. And It's haunting, isn't it? It's just yeah. so, so beautiful. I can't imagine it any other way, sincerely. So there's much more to discover. There's more uh, to that segment uh, that you'll have to watch. And then Josh Groban. uh, We're talking Mm -hmm. the David Foster documentary, if you just tuned in on Netflix. The fact that uh, Buccelli was supposed to sing a song with Celine Dion at the Grammys. Right, Lex? It was the Grammys. Yes, yep. And Buccelli got caught uh, couldn't fly out of Rome, I believe. Oh. And David Foster was at a party, was at a party, and Josh was, per, uh, you know, he asked somebody, I need someone that can do these operatic notes. And they gave jo- they gave David Foster a list of five people, including this teenager named Josh Groban. In Dave, high school. <laughs> in high school. David Foster called Josh Groban in high school and said, hey, what are you doing this weekend? And Josh is like, my homework? And he's like, no, I need you to fly to Los Angeles. Right, Lex? I need you yeah. to fly to Los Angeles because I need you to fill in for uh, Andre Bluchelli at the Grammys and work with Celine Dion. Hey, it's Mike, and I'm so excited to tell you about Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. You know I love good food, and that is what I love about Factor. It's fresh, never-frozen meals that are chef-crafted, dietitian approved and get this— all ready to go in just two minutes. Never get sick of the same thing with Factor as you'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week. That includes Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and if you're watching the carbs like me, a great keto option as well. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash JAPOD50 and use code JAPOD50 to get 50% off. That's code JAPOD50 at factormeals.com slash JAPOD50 to get 50% off. And he's like, no, thank you. No, he turned him down. (laughs) Are you serious? He yeah. turned him down. And he went down to his parents. He's like, hey, I just this just happened. He, uh, David Foster called. He asked me to sing. And he said, I said no. And they're like, okay, okay. But luckily, David called back and said, no, no, you didn't hear me right. It's not if you're coming. You are coming. Yeah. You're doing this. You're doing this. This Sounds is your like opportunity. What was his reason yeah. for saying no? He was nervous. Oh, bless he, him. He, he, yeah. he couldn't do the notes. He couldn't well, do the high notes. With, can you imagine, like, you're going to go sing with Celine? Dion, <laughs> like, yeah. 
whoa. So that was his, you know, his, uh, yeah, his moment there. And then he killed it and everybody loved him. And then everybody. he was on Rosie O'Donnell's show. And Rosie, Rosie was hosting that year and he got done performing and Rosie goes, I want you on my show. You he called him Opera Boy. He, she's like, Opera Boy, I want you on my show. He got on Rosie O'Donnell and never looked back. He was signed weeks later, um, and, and it was all because of David Foster. How did, uh, believing he, how did they even find this kid? That's, or, well, he, he was a kid at the time. David Foster, like I said, ran into a friend at a party, oh, okay. and this friend had heard of Josh. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and wow. said, yeah. Hey, there's this wonder kid. There's this teenager, blah, blah, blah. So it's called David Foster off the record. There's stories about Michael Buble. It's very similar how Buble was discovered. At a wedding. At a wedding. Yeah. Um, So Hmm. find it on Netflix. This is so good. If you are a music fan or a pop culture fan, forget David Foster. Uh, (laughs) I just the the behind the scenes stories of all of these legends keeps you going through this entire hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, it is uh, seven twenty six. Don McLean, do we have a do we have a passing notes today? We do. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We will do that when we return. Love thee. Ah, yes. Jason, Jason and Alexis in the morning on my talk 1071, everything entertainment, everything, all you can eat, fish fry. I'm Jace with Lex, Dawn, and Kenny. It's a uh, Friday. Don't you say it, Alexis. No. Uh, don't you say it. Uh, we are Yay. we are barreling toward uh, the weekend uh, coming up. <laughs> I just said the yay part. I know. Did you did did you catch her right there, everybody? Uh Did you catch what she tried to do? Mm -hmm. Uh, Coming up in the eight today. It is. It's a fun day Uh, today. uh, Coming up in the eight o'clock hour, uh, I will be assigning Dawn. Come on, why keep bringing it up? Because okay, let me give you a hint, Dawn. Let me give you a hint. This is a movie. Now, you know, sometimes, uh, Alexis, sometimes uh, we, Alexis, will uh, assign movies that aren't really good, Alexis, that uh, that we don't even really like, Alexis, that but we assign it because they're so bad that mm. we want to we want to torture the other person, Alexis. So but this, this one, Don. Yeah, this is actually one of my favorite romance movies. But it's so romantical that you're going to vomit. Like, this is, it's not a comedy. It's so schmaltzy, but I love it. It's like legitimately to me a great romance movie. You will want to barf in an airplane barf bag. So, great. Can't wait. Mm -hmm. And it is actually in the 12, 11 years we've been on the air, it is a movie. I have never referenced ever Oh, really? because when wow. I mentioned it, Colin asked me last night at dinner, he goes, Scooby. Like he didn't even know what it was. So is it, if I, I will accept it. If it's an old movie, like a black and white forties. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm it's not the that only nice. kind of no, love no, no. I like is. Old oh, no, 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 no. Love. Okay. Well, you know what, Don, then um, you'll see why I'm pausing. You'll see uh-huh. why I'm. All the mystery will be unveiled. What time, up today. Jason? Eight thirty, Dawn. Thank you for asking. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, you too.
Mm. Way to play radio, you mm-hmm. two. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We play. That's a deep tease. We're not a doctor, but we play one at home, yeah. girl. Yeah. Uh, we are. We play one on TV. Anyway, uh, Dawn, we have uh, take it away. We have passing notes. We do today. It's a Christmas special. You know, we've oh. learned that Walmart has Christmas ice cream out already. Uh, right now, you can buy it for a dollar ninety-seven. I think they have eggnog and another flavor. So mm. why not do a Christmas one here in why September? Yes. All yeah. right, and I will be discussing something in the middle of it. There's going to be a brief pause there while I explain something. Oh. Um, so here we oh. go. Are you passing a note? She passes me notes in class all the time. Do you want to pass me a note and have me circle yes or no? This is passing notes on Jason and Alexis. Old high school notes that producer Don found, read aloud by the MyTalk players. It was sweet. We held hands and passed notes. And you are to read that letter in front of my class. Read it out loud. You might not know this about your beloved narrator here, but I'm a big fan of Christmas episodes. (laughs) I've seen all the classics. The facts of life, girls singing carols at a men's prison, uh, a homeless family living in a cave on the Silver Spoons estate. (laughs) And there's an amazing season six Love Boat Christmas episode with Donny Osmond, Marsha Brady, and Mickey Rooney that you really need to track down. Anywho, since we probably don't have enough of Dawn's notes left to get us to December, let's do this note I found, written on Santa stationery, from Dawn's friend Sarah. This is Passing Notes, the Christmas episode. It was December 1991. Dawn was celebrating her baby daughter's first Christmas, but was feeling a bit estranged from her friends, including her BFF, Sarah. I'll give Dawn 30 seconds or so to explain. Dawn? All right, so Sarah and I were friends with a girl named Megan, and we were pretty much inseparable for the freshman and sophomore year. Megan started dating a guy who came to our school junior year, or actually uh, between sophomore and junior year, called Chris. Uh, Megan dated him, and then he broke up with her to actually date me. And that guy ended up being my daughter's father. So Sarah and Megan were mad at me for going out with Chris because, to be honest, he did a little bit of overlapping. Thanks, Don. Okay, so we've set the stage. Cue Christmas Eve moonlight. Cue glistening snow. Cue another heartwarming Christmas instrumental. And cue Don's friend, Sarah. Don. Hey, how are ya? I hope you have a great Christmas. I really miss talking to you all the time. We were awesome together. What the hell? Why did I say were? We still are. We always will be, right? Always remember the awesome, fun, and scary times. Those guys from Branson we met when we thought there was dancing at the Sheridan. Please, can we walk all over town? Well, we still have plenty of time to make some awesome memories. I love you. Love, Sarah Scott. Merry Christmas. Smiley face with a tongue hanging out. Dawn wiped away tears as her young baby fussed. Put out cookies for Santa, a holiday must. She thought a quick stroll might soothe the young lass. 
Scrooge went to the front door and gazed out the glass. And out on her stoop she saw such a sight, her passing notes friends on a cold winter's night. Michael and Josh with Christmas bells ringing, Sarah and Kiki and Mimsy were singing. <laughs> Voices. Merry Christmas in early September from all of us, pretty much just dork healed me, at Passing Notes. Oh. <laughs> wow! <laughs> that was a very special oh. edition. That was a oh, very yes. special Passing Notes. Oh. I also told him a story yesterday that uh, Sarah and Megan, we sort of had a brief interlude where we were friends again around junior prom. And I was pregnant at the time. My mom made me a dress and they were supposed to come and pick me up and take me to prom. It was a group and it was like a table of eight. All right. So they never showed up. And here I am dressed up in oh my, my pregnant God, prom God. dress. And so um, my mom like spent so much time making this dress She's a great seamstress. To, you know, it had a lot of ruffles, so I didn't really look pregnant. And so I um, I have a picture of me. I'll have to dig it up where it looks like, you know, I didn't want to ruin my makeup. It kind of looks like I had been crying, but I'm like, I'm going by myself. So I went to prom by myself. And they didn't show up. They showed up drunk like at 1130. But I ate by myself at a table of eight alone. And um, oh, oh, Don! Oh, <laughs> no, 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 and then Dawn. it gets worse. And then um, I, I'm pregnant. And then um, uh, her Lexi's dad, Chris, he showed up with another girl. And then oh. I ran to the bathroom crying and was in there for a oh, long time. My <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, jeez! God, is there? Any, what can I do to cheer everybody up? Did now? they ever um, say sorry? I mean, I know they were drunk and stuff, but did they did just forget, or was it just they were just you know? I don't think it really party. mattered to them. It wasn't a big yeah. deal, you know. They they yeah. were seventeen, so it's like they just their their mission was to just they weren't caring about me and my feelings or how it must feel to go to prom pregnant. They were just drunk and you know carrying on like high school girls do. Yeah. Oh, Dawn. <laughs> oh. God. Oh, oh no, I feel like I need to do something Tan- to change um, the mood. Um. Tan- instead of instead of picking us up, should we do you guys have do you two uh, Lex and, and Jason, do you have any sad prom stories? <laughs> no. Maybe we should bring it down lower. Yeah. <laughs> just bring it down even more. Tan mom, do you? I was invited to a lot of parties. Oh. Oh, 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 no, Lord, you're not was. helping, Tan <laughs> Mom. Tan Mom, did you hear Dawn's story? I think it's ridiculous. Okay, well, I tried to change the mood. It's all right. Well, um, but you I know what? I had to go to the bathroom so bad I peed um, next to the Perkins off of, in, uh, by, in Highland Park. Oh, gosh. There was a construction area, and uh, I just lifted my prom dress up, and uh, there you go. Oh, classy. Lift a leg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, does it yeah, help that's... that the girl he okay. went to prom with ended up being a lesbian? Uh, oh. I don't know. Yeah. I was uh, just trying to help. Um, uh, um, does it help? I have a sad um, prom story, too, but it's um, nowhere. I don't. It's, I, yeah, I mean, uh, doesn't help right I, now. I uh, don't know if that really. Uh, okay. Oh, I know what. <laughs> 
Sunday, Monday, lesbians. Tuesday, Wednesday, lesbians. Thursday, Friday, lesbians. Saturday, what a day to groove to Katie Lane. There we go. Nice. That's yeah. right. Uh, 7.42. Uh, when we come back, we'll cheer everybody up with the one and only TVTRL right after this. And now on Jason and Alexis in the morning, a message from our sponsor. From like the 70s or 80s. When you want to be in great company, come on along to the place where you This has been a Jason and Alexis classic commercial. We now return you to our regularly scheduled mediocre radio show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Jason and Alexis in the morning. Uh, everything entertainment, everything the Fonz. I'm Jace with Lex, Dawn, and Kenny. It is 7.47, the time, not the airplane on this Friday. Is, uh, we're kicking it uh, old school style. I don't even know what that means. Uh, just we're grateful that you're here. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. We're grateful, grateful you're here. Uh, that is, of course, that uh, throwback commercial uh, was from 1982 on the ABC television network. It was their uh, promo that year. Come on along with ABC and close your eyes and imagine a little bitty seven-year-old Jason uh, walking down his grandmother's neighborhood pretending like he was Henry Winkler in that promo. And you'll laugh for a good couple minutes. Uh, <laughs> that leads us perfectly to this. Welcome to TVTRL. Television Totally Request Live with Jason Lex. Here's Jace. Thank you very much, Rocco. This is uh, your old school segment. Takes you back to a simpler time. That's right. A simpler time uh, when theme songs were longer than seven seconds long and you actually knew all of the words. It is uh, TV TRL. And uh, we're going to begin uh, with the with one that Alexis loves only because, well, not only because she loves it, but it's making news today because Peacock, the NBC streaming service, has greenlit not one but two seasons of a reboot of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yes. But it's going to be a drama, which I don't know how I feel about that. But anyway, uh, but let's go back to the original. Here is the theme song that Alexis knows by memory. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spend most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool and all shooting some b-ball outside of the school when a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight and my mom got scared and said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. I whistled for a cab and when it came near, the license plate said pressure it a dice in the mirror. If anything, I could say that this cab was rare, but I thought, man, forget it, yo, home's the Bel Air. I pulled up to the house about seven or eight And I yelled to the cabbie, yo home, smell you later Looked at my kingdom, I was finally there To sit on my throne as the Prince of Bel-Air The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air 
The reboot will be called uh, Just Bel Air. Just Bel Air. I'm excited so. for the dr- dramatization oh. of the show. I think it's going to be great. Mm. You are? The realizations, no. yes. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you're the you fan. Know, yeah, he's yeah, also you're the like fan. My, one of my first crush, crushes ever. I yeah. still love Will Smith. I do too. I would totally. Anyway, yeah, I'll leave that to your imagination. But anyway. <laughs> getting uh, tangled. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, Wild Wild West with him. Uh, getting jiggy with it in Miami. Absolutely. And uh, yes. Um, Bad boys next, for life. Uh huh. This one is for uh, the kiddos out there or the the young at heart. We get this one requested strangely a lot. And I think it's because it's a Gen Xer kind of thing. If you had cable in the early days and you had HBO and you were a kid, you were obsessed with Fraggle Rock. Fragger Rock. All the Muppet theme songs are great. That, the Muppet Show, Muppet Babies. Lex, I know you love that one. That's a good one, too. Babies. Let's go to the 60s. Now, we sometimes play just the beginning of this. This is instrumental, but we love it. Uh, I'm trying to hit all generations here. Here is America's favorite horse, of course, Mr. Ed. Hello. I'm Mr. Ed. (laughs) Sing it along, everyone. A horse is a horse, of course, of course, and no one can talk to a horse, of course. That is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. Ed. Go right to the source and ask the horse. He'll give you the answer that you endorse. He's always on a steady course. Talk to Mr. Ed. There we go. Mr. Ed. I watched that show on Nickelodeon uh, in reruns when I was a kid. Yeah, that and Lassie, the old black and white Lassie with June Lockhart. There we go. Who was also the mom and lost in space. Uh, let's now move. I did the 60s. I did the 90s. Let's move to the 70s. Uh, this is dedicated to our hose beast of a boss, B. Arthur, who's uh, been on vacation. Uh, we haven't heard from her. Uh, she's at some sort of uh, nudist retreat. So uh, <laughs> don't get that visual in your head too long. Uh, ladies ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is her namesake. Uh, it's Maud, everyone. Diver was a freedom rider. She didn't care if the whole world looked. Joan of Arc with the Lord to guide her. She was a sister who really cooked. Isadora was the first bra burner. And you're glad she showed up. Oh, yeah. And when the country was falling apart, Betsy Ross got it all sold up. And then there's Maud. And then there's Maud. 
compromising, enterprising, anything but tranquilizing. And we'll go into our final one. Uh, this is uh, one of our favorites, and uh, it is the one and only Who's the Boss? Fresh Prince, who's the boss, is getting a reboot. Uh, a continuation with Alyssa Milano and Tony Danza. Stay right there, everybody. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, coming up in this hour, the Dirt Alert and Dawn's Punishment, her assignment for forced movie reviews at 8.30. Stay with us.